First Timothy 1.17, now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'd like to speak to you for the next few minutes on the subject, eternity. God bless you. Please be seated. Last Wednesday night, and I'm going to talk fast. How's that? Because we want to have time to pray. Last Wednesday, I taught on the subject of time. Time is the indefinite continued progress of existence and events, the past, present, and future regarded as a whole, one of many definitions of time. The Bible views time as a limited succession of days in which human experience of the world flows. We call it history. Time had a beginning, and it will have an ending. We know that God is above time. I'm reviewing some and a couple of new thoughts about time. That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change through time. God does not see time as we see time. He's not in a hurry. He created time and he uses it to fulfill his will. Our text last week was Psalm 90 and 12. After Moses, this Psalm, this Psalm of Moses so teach us to number our days that we may apply or gain a heart of wisdom. So numbering our days. Uh, but last Wednesday night, when I was speaking on time, I ran out of it. I ran out of time and I didn't finish. So I want to say just a couple other things about time. Uh, a personal reminder in my prayer list. This is personal to me. I try to not come to the pulpit and just tell you what God's saying to me, unless I think it's for everyone. But my reminder this year, I felt as I was closing out 2023, was about the way I spend my time. And it's an old saying I heard years ago, that making the most of your life is not only doing things right, but it is doing the right things. So doing things right is efficiency. Doing the right things is effectiveness. And I believe that you can be more effective if you are efficient, if you do things efficiently. But it is not just being efficient in things that don't matter. It's doing things that matter. How you spend your time is how you spend your life. So having the right priorities, doing things that have eternal value, adds up to our life to be effective and doing the right things with our life. Uh, enough time spent on that review so let's talk about eternity tonight. I thought about trying to cover both of these things last week, but felt like it was too broad. And the more I dig, the broader it gets. But there's more than one definition of eternity. The Bible doesn't give a specific one. I think it's more difficult to define than time because eternity cannot be measured, making it difficult to comprehend. Have you ever tried to wrap your mind around death? Uh, death is beyond us. We are intended to live forever. So death is difficult to comprehend. We are made for eternity, created in the image and likeness of God. But eternity is, I think, beyond our finite understanding. Uh, God's understanding is, in, is endless. It's in infinity. And the Bible speaks of eternity as being endless. Eternity is without beginning and it is without ending. Eternity is timeless existence. Eternity is complete, 
simultaneous and perfect possession of everlasting life. I've read and heard illustrations taught and preached in my lifetime about how to try to describe eternity. And, you know, after you did all of this, eternity would just begin. But it's impossible to really explain it because any explanation is bound by time and eternity is not bound by time. I've learned that most people doubt eternal punishment, but they're all excited about eternal rewards. But the Bible is very clear about both, that all of us are headed for eternity, either in heaven or hell, the lake of fire or the new Jerusalem, and how we spend our time will determine our eternity. God is the maker of heaven and earth, and he described himself with three metaphorical terms. Uh, the first and third appear three times in the book of Revelation only, and the second in Isaiah and Revelation, and all three are captured in Revelation twenty-two thirteen. I'd like you to see this verse. The Lord said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is describing himself as from the beginning and to the ending, and he speaks in terms that are of his eternality, his existence, his nature, and his being. That God exists from eternity past to eternity future. Some would say in one eternal now. The Bible uses other words to describe eternity. You could call them synonyms. They may not all be in the King James Bible, but lasting, everlasting, evermore, forevermore, forever and ever, forever, and then ever separately, immortal, indestructible, imperishable, unfading, abiding, enduring, unceasing, always, endless, never-ending, and of course, without end. God is above time, and he is self-existent. In Exodus, excuse me, in Exodus 3.14, the Lord said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And the understanding of I am that I am is that he is God all by himself. Beside him, there is no other. He is, he is the self-existent one. He has no beginning. He has no ending. He stands above time. He sees history. He is, sees the future as if it is history. In Psalm 90 and 2, our text from last week, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. That was part of our scripture last week when I read Psalm 90. And then God is the same, and his years have no end. Psalm 102, 25. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but they sh thou shalt endure. All of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture, thou shalt change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years have no end. In Isaiah 57, 15, the Lord says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and then we all love this part of this verse with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit 
to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite ones. I'm glad that God doesn't just dwell there. He dwells here if we walk with him in humility. In Revelation 1 and 18, speaking of the eternality of God, Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. He unlocked them. He took control of them. He is in control of death and hell. When the apostle Paul was writing to Timothy, it's a chapter of our text tonight. He spoke about God's great salvation in his life. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. But then Paul said, how be it for this cause, I obtain mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them, which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Paul said, God made me an example, a pattern. If you're going to, ladies are going to make a dress or anyone make a garment, or you're going to cut out a pattern in woodworking, that pattern is going to hopefully last for item after item. Paul said, when God decided to design salvation, he used me, the chiefest of sinners, to, to design salvation. And then he says to Timothy about our Savior, now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Eternal life is why Jesus Christ came. God does not need us to be eternal and immortal. He is already that. But he came to this earth and paid the price for our sins that we could have eternal life. And the eternity that was put in our hearts when God created us was ripped away by sin. But God came that he could redeem us, that we could enjoy eternal life. He told Adam in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat it of it, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. You're made for eternity. If Adam would have not sinned, then he would have lived forever. But when he sinned, then death, the Bible said, came by sin. And that death that came to Adam was first spiritual. And in the Bible, death means separation. He was separated from God spiritually by his sin. Later, he would die physically. And we believe that perhaps Adam and Eve covered by God's covering, bloodshed covering. It was Adam saved or not. But eternal death is also called the second death. There's a verse that in the King James does not use this word eternity, but in Ecclesiastes 311. It's quoted a lot when you research eternity online or in Bible programs. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. The New Living Translation says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planned eternity or planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, even so we have eternity put in us by an eternal God, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. I 
I love that context in the New Living Translation. It helps us understand, even though we have this sense of eternity, it's impossible for us to comprehend the scope of God's work from beginning to end. But this whole idea of eternity is not just about time and the concept of eternity, but we understand that Jesus Christ came to give us eternal life. So I want to give you some references. In the book of John, there are seven references that use the word everlasting life. There are six references that use the phrase eternal life. And in the Greek, it's the same Greek word for all 13 references for eternal life. I want to use just a few of them to talk about what God did. Our subject tonight is eternity. You may know this verse, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God came to purchase eternity for us. John six fifty one. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh that I will give for the life of the world. Of course, eternal life came by his sacrificial death. Going back to John 4, 14, to the woman at the well, Jesus said, but whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well. I love that phrase. It's not part of my message, but he's going to put it in you. It is not contingent on circumstances. You can be having a bad day, but if you can tap into the spirit world, that well that is in you is springing up into everlasting life. John chapter five, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. I mentioned last night that I've been thinking about Easter already, March 30th, I believe, when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I thank God for the power of the resurrection, the Holy Ghost that is in us, that resurrection power, and I thank God for eternal life. John 17, 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I've been reading about eternity and uh, trying to be concise in my message tonight. Some of you have heard of Dr. David Jeremiah. I want to quote a few things he said about eternity. Eternity is one of the most beautiful attributes of God. Without a God who possesses an eternal nature, we would be condemned to true fear and forlorn despair. The Bible said the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. I just want to pause to say that the thing that holds us up, our salvation, our almighty God, he's an eternal God, an all powerful God. And underneath everything in our life is the everlasting God. And everywhere you turn, you find God almighty caring for his people. Amen. This idea, everything we believe would collapse if there was no God who was everlasting, eternal, 
immortal, invisible, and all-powerful. Amen? Amen? Romans 1 and 20 speaks of his eternal power and Godhead. Romans 9 and 5 calls him the eternally blessed God. Ephesians 3.11 speaks of his eternal purpose. And 1 Timothy 1.17, our text, calls him the king, eternal, immortal, invisible. Genesis 21.33 says that he is the everlasting God. Psalm 100 says that the Lord is good, that his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Amen. While we think about time, are bound by time, seem to be controlled by time, and our lives have an expiration date on them, for it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Yet we, because of eternal life that we received with salvation, have a hope beyond the circumstances of this life, beyond the grave. Paul said, if in this life only we had hope in Christ, we would be of all men most miserable. But because of the truth of eternity, we have hope beyond sickness, beyond difficult circumstances, beyond peril, whatever happens in this life. Paul said, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor life, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We were created for eternity. God has put eternity in our hearts. Amen. And he is a king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. So because of his eternal nature, his love will never end. His mercy never ceases. His truth will never have an expiration date. And his holiness is as eternal as he is. In Isaiah 44 and 6, the Lord says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last, and beside me there is no God. I thank God for an understanding that God is great and his greatness is unsearchable and that we serve a God who is eternal, who also gave us eternal life. But where we spend eternity is contingent on what we do in time. We understand that just because Jesus died, buried, rose again, does not mean that we are saved. And every one of us has responsibility to make sure that we are saved. And that we are stewards of our time, talent, and treasure. The Bible said that all of us, Christians, must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3 that depending on the life that we spend, wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone, it will determine the eternal reward that we have. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 on the screens, Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and destroy where thieves break through and steal. If I revert to the King James, pardon me. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The only thing that we can do in time to ensure eternity is to be saved and then heavily invest in what matters for eternity. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, Paul said, 
Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is for but a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, for the, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And then he said in verse chapter five, verse one, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, that we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Eternal life is the gift of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our eternal destiny can only be changed in time. And you never know when you're going to run out of it. So the Bible is very clear. Acts 2 and 40. And you should save yourself from this untoward generation. Paul would write in Philippians 2 and 12. That we must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. The Apostle Peter wrote in First Peter, Second Peter 1 and 10 that we are to make our calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. So we need to make sure that we use time to make sure that we are safe for eternity.